Hello and welcome to episode 175 of Travel Stories from the Back Again and Gone podcast, being recorded in the beautiful home office of Chateau Relaxo, Florida. And tonight it's once again time for that crazy travel roundup. Thanks for listening. Hello, if you are a new listener, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. One trip since our last episode, it was a quick two-night stay in Jacksonville, Florida, the birthplace of the CEO, in case you're keeping track. And the hotel was the Homewood Suites Hilton Garden Inn location, and that's how it's listed. And Hilton has really embraced this strategy that combines two of its brands into one single structure with a shared pool, a shared fitness center, and shared parking lot, but with a distinct entrance for the Hollywood, the Homewood Suites location and a distinct entrance for the Hilton Garden inside. And honestly, this does make a lot of sense, as oftentimes there will be a Hilton Garden Inn with a completely separate structure, separate pool, separate everything, and a Homewood Suites across the parking lot with exactly the same thing. So why not share some resources and I'm guessing some employees as well. And the first time I ran into this was in Brunswick, Georgia, I think a year or so ago. And it's a pretty neat concept. They use the uh, HID or your room key to keep you separated from going over to the Hilton Garden inside when you're staying at the Homewood Suite are back and forth, especially during breakfast time. But however, they did have all the doorways open so you could go from the Homewood Suite side in the evening and partake in the Hilton Garden and restaurant and bar. As far as the COVID side of things, the riot shields across the front desk check-in area was completely gone. Very few of the employees were wearing masks. Not sure what the status of the daily housekeeping situation was as I hung my do not disturb sign on the door as soon as I entered the room. But that being said, I believe that there was some sort of housekeeping available as the elevator had a sign posted letting me know that there is now cashless tipping for the housekeeping staff available by scanning a QR code that was in my room. My prediction for this is this cashless offering or cashless tipping will disappear in less than 12 months. When it came to Jayville or Jacksonville, food consisted of two stops. The first was the River and Post. And here's a pro tip. If you choose to sit on the rooftop, the view will be spectacular, but the menu is very limited. So if you're hungry, opt for downstairs eating. Start the meal with some fresh, fresh raw oysters and some fried calamari. Pair that with their Bulletproof, which is their version of an old-fashioned. My main course was very simple. Crab cakes the size of my head, creamy mashed potatoes, and this wonderfully fresh sautéed spinach. The next food stop was on the coast at the North Beach Fish Camp. And while the CEO was born in a seaside town beyond shrimp, she's not much of a seafood fan. So I took full advantage of this trip by loading up on seafood. My choice was their trifecta seafood basket, deviled crab, fried oysters, fried clam strips, hush puppies, French fries, and coleslaw. And that was lunch. And while this was an S ton of food, I'm here to tell you that I was part of the Clean Basket Club. And when it comes to fried food, especially fried seafood, it's very easy for everything to taste the same. But I'm here to tell you at the North Beach Fish Camp, 
This was not the case. The clams tasted like clams. The fried oysters tasted like oysters. It was wonderful. And all this food needed some brew. And that's where the Ardwolf Brewing Company comes into picture. This location was just down the street from the Homewood Suites. And it is in a repurposed aisle distributor building. So the locations outside is very eclectic to say the least. And one of the brewmasters has a story to go along with the tile location as he apparently had worked there in his past before he became a brewmaster, but it was a great story. That evening, my brew of choice was their Hop Oddity, weighing in at 5.8 APV. So the J-Town or Jacksonville food and brews have been noted, and it's time to move on to the August Crazy Travel Roundup. So let's open with this. It seems that the current trend is quiet quitting. And if you've never heard of quiet quitting, here's the 30,000 foot view. It's not where you outright quit your job, but you're quitting the idea of going above and beyond. So this comes to us from WWAV. Air traffic controller says co-pilot jumped from plane in Raleigh. So short of being a skydiver, I see no reason in jumping out of a completely good airplane unless it's damaged and I have a parachute. Well, apparently that's what happened and it's really unclear exactly or why the co-pilot Charles Crooks exited the small damaged cargo plane because he did not have the aforementioned parachute. Sadly, Mr. Crook's body was found in a backyard about 30 miles south of Raleigh-Durham International Airport, and the damaged aircraft managed to pull off a successful landing. So I'll leave you with that. Hearing on with the theme of successful crash landings, this one's local from the Orlando Weekly. I give you video shows plane crashing into Orlando area road near UCF. So there is a link to the dash cam video in the show notes. It's worthy of watching. And if you're not familiar, UCF is one of the many, many, many local colleges that we have here in Florida. And typically UCF means you can't finish. Hello, six-year senior. So the plane was on a maintenance flight at the time of the hard crash landing, citing engine failure as the cause. The pilot, Remy Collins, said it was about 4 p.m. over University Boulevard. Worst traffic that you could imagine. There was absolutely nowhere to land. My choice was to take it to a lake or try to land it on the road. So he saw a stretch of about 300 feet. There was one red light. Not sure if the light was red or green, but there was 100 cars on one side of the light and another 100 cars on the other. So he had oncoming traffic and a stretch of what he says was maybe 100 feet of roadway. And he decided that he was going to land it there, and that's exactly what he did. The link I said in the show notes will take you to the video. And in this case, UCF just might stand for, you can't fly, but you can land. As a child, most of our family vacations were road trips, thus my love for the road trip. As with most families, any of our shenanigans were met with either my mother or my father turning their head around and uttering the veiled threat of, don't make me turn this car around, and veiled as I say, as in, after prepaying for hotels and whatnot, Mr. Scrooge McDuck, my dad, and his wife, Mrs. Scrooge McDuck, weren't about to forfeit any of their hard-earned shekels. So this brings us to our next story from The Daily Dot. Quit sending naked pictures. 
Pilot says he'll turn the plane around after passenger airdrops nudes. A couple months ago in the June Crazy Travel Roundup, we talked about Creepy McCreeperton airdropping pictures of his twig and the accompanying berries to anyone on his recent Southwest flight. Well, in this case, the pilot responded with the announcement that if passengers continue to airdrop nude photos to other passengers while the plane is on the ground, that he will have to pull back into the gate. Everyone's going to have to get off and we're going to have to get security involved. He followed that up with vacations are going to be ruined and then gave the old whatever this airdrop thing is, quit sending naked pictures and let's get ourselves to Cabo. And we've talked about this many, 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 many times. Women don't want to see pictures of random dudes, junks, penis, member, their twig, or their berries. If they did, they would let you know. Remember, women are wired differently. You never hear of one of these stories of women sending nudes of themselves. It's always the creepy McCreepertons. There's a video on the show notes. It has almost 2 million views. And the tip into that is... In Israel, they arrested nine passengers for airdropping crash images to other passengers aboard a plane before takeoff. So there you have an airdrop for worse and airdrop for worse than worse. You pick which one's worse. You pick which one's worse than worse. Mid-August, View from the Wing posted passenger sprawls across row of seats smoking a cigarette, and he only gets a 15-day airline ban. Now, I'm not a marketer, but I've been told that the first rule of marketing is to find the marketing message that most resonates with your target market. United Airlines was the first to create a non-smoking section in the back of the plane. The year was 1971, as if smoke knew not to float towards the front of the plane, but apparently we all bought into it. And believe it or not, U.S. airlines were still allowing onboard smoking up into the year 2000. So the view from the wing posted this recently, a passenger on a spice jet, yes, spice jet in India was banned for 15 days. That's seriously all that happened. A 15 day ban after he was videotaped smoking a cigarette while sprawled across a row of seats. We call that a plain sofa or a plain couch. Given the way that this was videotaped, making a clear point of showing the brand of the man's pants, it seems likely that it was staged for some sort of a brand publicity stunt. Yes, brand publicity stunt. And I'm guessing that the second rule of marketing is bad publicity is just as good as good publicity. I mean, even a child knows that you can't smoke in a store, on a bus, or even on an airplane. But I am curious, if it had been a cigar, would he have been banned for 30 days? So let's roll back into the nudity side of things. And we've always talked about this. There are two types of nudity, good nudity and bad nudity. And this post from Live and Let's Fly falls under the bad nudity category. Half-naked woman storms cockpit shouting, Allah Akbar, and warning of explosion. So according to the website, here's the cliff notes. She ripped her clothes off. She ran for the cockpit and screamed Allah Akbar, which roughly translates to God is the greatest. Demanding to be let into the cockpit, she said if she was not let in that there would be an explosion and everyone is going to die. She also claimed her parents were members of ISIS. Well, next what happened is the flight attendants advised her to stop. 
But apparently they could not stop her, and that's where a passenger named Philip O'Brien jumped in to the rescue and secured this woman to a chair with a flight attendant assisting him. The Post concluded with this, the woman now faces a prison sentence of up to five years as well as a hefty fine. And believe it or not, there are no videos of this scene that has emerged at this point. Now, the story lacks any real call of action as to why the nudity and the charging of the cockpit took place, but it did make for some great comments. Stewart posted, flight attendants, we are the first responders and here only for your safety. Cut the scene, passengers are all rolling their eyes. But probably the best one was from But Too Many, summed up the incident with this. I get a feeling a woman who strips down and screams Allah Akbar isn't actually Muslim. Now, here's an airline that doesn't get into the crazy travel roundup much. It's Delta. And it's been years since I've flown Delta. When I was based out of Atlanta, I was a Delta fanboy while I never made it to Delta Diamond. And at the time, I was flying pretty much exclusively in the Southeast, so it was really tough to hit Delta Diamond with short flights unless you were flying first class. But I was Delta Gold for years, and with Delta Gold, at least I was able to board early and secure the overhead bin for my luggage above my seat and not someplace towards the back of the plane. And also early on, I was able to nail a first class upgrade, probably 35 to 40% of my flights. But once Delta introduced those branded American Express cards that had perks and things like that associated with it, that percentage significantly dropped. So here's a quick question for you. Beginning January of 2023, how many boarding zones will Delta have? Well, I'm going to save you the uh, effort of putting a Google on it. It's going to be 10. Starts out with pre-boarding, then active duty military, then Delta One or first class. Diamond Medallion members, Delta Premium Select, followed by Early Access, that's families with car seats and strollers, Delta Comfort Plus, Sky Priority, Main Cabin 1, Main Cabin 2, Main Cabin 3, and at the back of the bunch is Basic Economy. So in that list, the big change to the boarding zone lineup is that Delta Diamond no longer boards with First Class. And I'm not really sure on Delta's strategy is that no Delta Diamond member would actually be willing to purchase a first-class ticket just in order to board with the first-class group. And another crazy twist to this is if you're flying out of a Delta hub, especially Delta's home base, Atlanta, and I've personally witnessed this, the majority of passengers are Delta Diamond, which creates yet another boarding bottleneck as you've got 30, 40, or 50 passengers queuing up to board the flight. But stay tuned because as 2023 gets closer, this will become a topic of conversation for all the Delta fanboys and all the travel blogosphere websites out there. If you ever meet a baby road warrior, and I have personally decided that a baby road warrior is someone that's been a weekly business traveler for less than three years. But all baby road warriors will be able to tell you the total number of flights they've taken, as well as the total number of nights that they've spent in hotel rooms. And the reason is, is they're looking for that next status level, and most of the time it's based on number of flights or number of nights. After being a road warrior for three years and you graduate to being just a road warrior, you keep track of your status level, whether it's gold, 
diamond, titanium, whatever they come up with, the nights, number of nights aren't that important. If you ask me the number of flights that I've taken in the last 22 years, my guess would be at least 700. And of those 700 plus flights, I've never once experienced an aborted landing or even what I would call a rough landing, but this actually happened in July, but didn't make the light of day until August. But the story was all over the internet and I actually went to Snopes to make sure that it was legit, but here's the gist of it. Southwest flight attendant suffers broken back and hard landing. So I picked on the Associated Press. They posted a Southwest Airlines flight attendant suffered a compression fracture to a vertebrae in her upper back during a hard landing last month in California. The NTA said the impact of the landing was so hard that the flight attendant thought the plane had crashed. She felt pain in her back and her neck and could not move and was taken to the hospital where she was diagnosed with the fracture. The safety board completed its investigation without saying what actually caused the hard landing. And as they say, fact is stranger than fiction as this flight attendant was the only one on board that reported any sort of an issue. And take it from someone that has a destroyed spinal column, I truly feel for this woman. Finishing up with this one, in last month's Crazy Travel Roundup, we talked about Mr. It's All About Me. This was the gentleman that proposed to his girlfriend on the tarmac of the Atlanta Hartsfield International Airport. So I hope Mr. It's All About Me is listening to this because this is just how that proposal might end. Inconsolable man returned from Heathrow Loo, which is a fancy word for the bathroom, to find his fiance had ran off with his baggage and about 5,000 pounds of cash. This man had fallen head over heels for this woman that he had met on the internet and proposed the day before they were due to fly to Rome to get married, but she vanished at Heathrow when he went to the toilet. So here's the cliff notes, the pair in their 40s, and you should know better than this in your 40s, told check-in staff at Heathrow that they were flying to Rome to tie the knot after getting engaged a day earlier. But when the man went to the toilet and left the woman with their suitcases, she disappeared and took everything with her. I've watched multiple episodes of MTV's Catfish, and apparently this bloke didn't. I doubt she took an earlier flight, but hopefully he had the forethought to put some air tags in his luggage, so in hopes of either finding his luggage and possibly finding her, and more than likely he probably still wants her back. Well, there you have it, the August Crazy Travel Roundup. If you want detailed show notes, links, and pictures, head over to podpage.com slash travel hyphen stories. Leave me a message at Anchor. Shoot me an email, travelfrick at gmail.com. As I always say, travel safe, stay safe, and thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.